Thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Voice First webinar series presented by Pragmatic and Witlingo. Today, marketing in the age of voice. Welcome everyone. Um, we're all here. Uh, I'm going to do introductions in a second, but just wanted to uh, thank you for taking time to join us today um, for marketing in the age of voice. Uh, the first webinar in the Voice First series. And my name is Brielle Nikolov. Um, I'm the lead of product marketing at Whitlingo. So um, to respect everyone's time, we're gonna get started right now. Um, if you're here, you might already believe that voice is already a powerful channel that businesses can capitalize on. Um, and the first part of this webinar is designed to equip you with resources and knowledge that you can use uh, to build a solid business case for voice in your own organization or company. Um, the second part will be a demonstration of a platform we've developed at Whitlingo. Um, it's an out of the box content management, content management system for Google Home and Alexa and other voice assistants in the future. So, um, we're gonna get right into it, but a quick heads up. In the chat you see on the right, um, please feel free to type in questions as we go. We're gonna have our technical admin, Gustavo, keep track of them and then pick a few at the end for the Q&A to answer. Um, and we're also gonna be sending off a few surveys in this chat throughout the, um, the webinar. So if you, want, if you see those pop up, just um, click your answer and then um, we'll go from there. And then one last thing, if you can stick around till the end, we're gonna give away something as a thank you. So, um, and we'll also be giving access to the slides and recording um, afterwards. So, um, some quick introductions. A bit, a bit about me, um, I'm the lead of product marketing at Whitlingo. I earned bachelor's degrees in linguistics and neuroscience, and I'm a leadership member of Women in Voice. Uh, Susan Westwater is the CEO and co-founder of Pragmatic. She is a senior strategist using customer-centric approaches and content strategy to achieve business growth through customer understanding. Um, she's also a leadership member of Women in Voice. Scott Westwater is the lead strategist and other co-founder of Pragmatic. He is a UX strategist with over 20 years of experience helping Fortune 500 brands solve business problems by understanding customer needs. Uh, Scott's voice expertise is specialized in healthcare. And Ahmed Bouzid is the founder and CEO of Whitlingo. He is an author and voice interface evangelist and holds 12 patents in the speech recognition and natural language processing field. Um, Ahmed's been recognized as a speech luminary by Speech Technology Magazine. All right, so I'll turn it over to Ahmed. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much, Brielle. And uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. This is, as Brielle said, this is the first of a series of webinars. Um, in these webinars, we are going to aim to do two things, to give you um, a context, the context of, of uh, why uh, and why, sh why should we be interested in, 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 uh, in voice? Um, uh, as well as um, giving you a, a deeper dive into uh, a specific topic. So for example, today we're gonna be talking about marketing. Why should a marketer be interested in, in what's happening with voice? Um, and when we say voice, really we mean, uh, we mean voice in, in its latest in incarnation. Um, 
uh, sparked by the emergence of far-field devices. These are speakers, call them smart speakers as well. Um, speakers that uh, that are smart in the sense that you can talk to them and they they are able to do things for you. So you may ask questions and they give you answers. You may uh, you may want to do something like order a pizza and so it also does things for you and they're called far field because you don't have to touch you don't have to touch a device um, and and so the interface is called voice first because the primary way that you're interacting with the intelligence is voice it is not voice only but it's voice first um, and voice uh, as, an, as an assistant as, as, as an intelligence that enables you to do things has been around for a while um, before the emergence of these smart speakers, which was kicked off by uh, the launch of the Amazon Echo in 2014, uh, we had Siri uh, and we had, um, before Siri, we had mobile apps that did voice, but it didn't really take off until, uh, until the promise of voice, what makes voice compelling, was fulfilled through these far-field speakers. Um, so you can see in this slide here, the adoption rate, the adoption rate of smart speakers um, is almost half as much in terms of time as the adoption of, of smartphones. Uh, so the question then becomes why? Why did people take on this interface, this voice first interface so, so quickly? And so I contend that it, it has to do with, with the nature of the interface, the fact that you can do certain things uh, far more easily and with less effort, with less what is often referred to as friction, um, with less, with a fewer number of steps than with, uh, say, a smartphone, right? So a smartphone was a um, an improvement on, say, the laptop. So if you want to find out something uh, using your smartphone, it may it may take you um, a couple of of, of taps and and, and, type, and typing. It might take you a lot more for a laptop. With the with the emergence of these voice-first interfaces, uh, the fact that you can do uh, what you need to do, eyes-free, hands-free, um, that you don't really need to learn protocol. You can just use your natural language. They're natural. Uh, the fact that the information that you get back um, from the from the interface, from the voice interface, can be richer um, if, let's say, if it's the voice of somebody. If you ask a question and let's say the scale, the Alexa scale or the Google Action will use the recordings, audio recordings, then what you hear from, from the speaker is richer in terms of uh, tonality, in terms of um, whether they're being sarcastic or funny. All of that is conveyed very uh, efficiently through the interface of voice. Uh, also minimal effort, right? So you don't have to click, you don't have to tap. Um, another interesting aspect of voice Say smart speakers, smart speakers is that uh, the the information is broadcasted, right? So as opposed to, so for example, take take the example of a joke, right? So you ask a joke, and there are three people, four people around, and you guys are listening to the joke together at the same time. So this this uh, this broadcasting uh, aspect of it is also pretty unique and compelling, and also non-literacy, meaning you don't have to know how to write and how to read to be able to use the interface, which means that it's available for. Um, if you're you know, three or four, you're able to interact with your Alexa uh, uh, by just talking naturally. So, uh, which basically enables us to make the claim, I think that um, as these interfaces become performing, that the voice first interface is going to be 
the interface of first resort. Meaning, if you want to do something, if you want if you want to get the answer to a question, first you try your Alexa. You ask the question to Alexa, or you ask your question to your Google Assistant, and and see what you get. Um, and these in, these assistants are getting better and better, so that um, uh, habits are now developing. People are now saying to themselves because they are performing, these assistants are performing. They they say, let me try it. Let me try uh, uh, assistant first and see what I get. Uh, and so. They are becoming the the, um, the interface of first resort. You try that first, and then if it doesn't work, sometimes it doesn't. You go to something that requires more effort, right? Um, so, I think uh, I think that what what we are witnessing right now is the emergence of truly the emergence of a whole new web. Uh, we're calling it the voice first web, a web. That uh, that we we are barely able to fathom right now, just like we were able, like we were barely able to fathom uh, the internet, which now seems obvious, right? When it was or the web actually, when it was emerging in the 90s, I think we're seeing the emergence of the voice web. So the content would be uh, would be voice on audio, right? Um, the the way you consume that content and you surf this web is going to be different. It's going to be not through clicking and through swiping and so forth, but it will be through conversations, right? You'll be having conversations with, uh, you know, conversations with the with these assistants to help you um, navigate this web. Um, and I think the the uh, the other very very important thing that is going to um, to be a, an important characteristic of this emerging voice first web is the fact that that content is going to be created um, by far more people. Than uh, than it is created now, because uh, because you can just speak and you can you can provide content by recording something. For example, uh, you will see will see a far more far greater participation in the creation of the content of this web. Um, so the the we are at the beginning, I believe, uh, beginning of something that we are only now trying to sort of understand. I think the elements of it are really content will be audio, will be voice. Uh, the way you 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 browse it, so to speak, you surf this web is through these voice assistants, and I think the third component is that, uh, that there's going to be an important crowdsourcing element of this web, where far more people will be able to contribute to the content of the web. So, uh, so those were just uh, some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Um, we're going to go into a deeper dive, obviously, with with uh, Scott and Susan uh, in the next uh, in the next conversation well, that they uh, that they will be. Uh, giving it. So I'll pass it on to you guys. You. Uh, really quickly, um, before Scott and Susan take over, we're going to send out a poll. Um, do you own or have a voice-enabled device like an Amazon Echo or a Google Home Assistant? Um, all right, and you should see that now in the chat. Um, and Scott and Susan, you can, you can take over now while the answers start coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brielle. Thanks, Ahmed. Mm -hmm. So we're super excited to be here. Um, I'm also super excited, as you can probably see behind uh, me, there's a lot of sci-fi stuff. I'm a big sci-fi fan. And so, you know, for the past 25, 30 years or so, um, in TV and in movies, you know, there's been a lot of examples or evidence of this idea that we'll be able to um, interact with computers using our voice. So whether it's, you know, Star Wars with all the robots or Knight Rider, uh, the movie Hal, Back to the Future. I mean, there's plenty of examples in popular culture where we've actually seen this and seen it working seamlessly. 
And the exciting thing is now with devices such as Alexa, Google Home, you know, smartphones, things like that, that thing that seemed like kind of science fiction and, and really off in the distance is actually here right now. So it's, it's a really exciting time and we're really excited that you're all here to start to learn about it and start to think about how it could actually impact your brand or your business. So when we're talking about voice and it looks like a lot of you have adopted integrating voice into your life. Um, when we talk about voice, we're talking about it being any interaction that allows you to control a computer program using natural speech. So we're not just talking about smart speakers. It can include your smartphone with your Siri or Google Assistant, but it can also include something like your Comcast remote where you can speak into its change channels and get other information. Voice is very much a part of our lives. So who are the main players right now? And I say right now because this feels like it changes on a daily basis. So uh, really the two main players in the space um, that are most active are Amazon with the Alexa platform, Google with their home uh, devices. But then uh, there's also uh, some other assistants. So if you have a Samsung device, you might be using Bixby um, on your smartphone. There's also a smart speaker that's out. Um, you know, Anyone that has a iPhone or an iOS device has Siri built into it. And then on the Microsoft side, there's Cortana, which actually now works through the Alexa platform. Um, so it looks like Microsoft's going to be focusing more on the enterprise. Um, Apple actually does have uh, something called Siri Shortcuts, which is kind of a quick way to enable voice commands for existing apps. But right now, there's no true development platform to actually create rich voice experiences. And Samsung actually does have a development environment, so you can start to create skills specifically for uh, the big platform. So when we talk about voice, as Ahmed mentioned before, the adoption is actually record breaking. Um, you know, smartphones took about eight years to reach kind of a ubiquitous nature. Uh, by contrast, like radio, television, computers, those took almost 20 years. And so we're really talking about within five years from the introduction back in 2014, 15, these really, these are really taken a uh, hold within households. So here in the US, we're actually in what we call early majority phase of adoption. Uh, in Europe and in some of the other countries like Australia, Canada, places like that, we're still kind of in the early stages of adoption. But really what it means for folks here in the States is we're, we're solidly in that early majority. So, and actually the next slide I'll show kind of numbers wise where we're at, but you know, it's picking up speed and it's it's really something that we all need to pay attention to because I think it's gonna happen faster than a lot of us really know or really anticipate. So when we look about the adoption rates, um, it, you basically can see here in the States, we're anywhere between 80 and 130 million devices in home, depending on which report you read and what day you see it. But really the point is, you know, you can see 2016, 17, 18 year over year growth is, is growing exponentially. So in past year, uh, according to this survey, um, it grew 78%. And so we're actually expecting uh, over 200 million devices worldwide in homes this year, well over hundred million devices. And, and quite frankly, I think it will probably be closer to half of uh, all American households will have some sort of smart speaker device in home um by next year so it's it's a really tremendous area amount of growth but businesses have actually caught up with their investment so with this chart you can see um there's 29 percent of business decision makers that plan on investing this year this is actually a chart from last year but 
but 29% of people are actually planning on investing. That number goes up to 62% next year. And so universally accepted 2020 is kind of go time for voice. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's some early adoption happening, um, but a majority of the own business owners or business stakeholders and on investing next year when it's a little bit more of a done deal and a little bit safer, safer bet. But what this means for your business is this is your opportunity to stake your claim and start to own the space before your competitors get there. It's also, if you're a number three, four, five player in the industry, this is your opportunity to actually leapfrog that number one player because there's going to be SEO implications and a whole host of other things. So now is your time to start investing in voice because it's going to give you a really huge advantage over the next three to five years. So what does this mean for marketers? As Scott was just saying, this is a huge shift and it's a shift that um, Amazon Pay Europe, one of the general managers has actually noticed and, and noted and we have as well, is that it's a shift that comes around we've seen maybe every 10 to 15 years. Um, stats right now are showing that this is actually one of the fastest changes that we've seen. And we witnessed it when computers, when we went from print to web, and then when we went from web to mobile, and then now even more so to tablet. So this is a huge impact. What's interesting is with the speed of which this is being adopted, it is also having a major impact on commerce and that's what's coming. We've seen this before. And so this is something that we can take note of this time around. Absolutely. So we know that voice has already impacted search behavior and as early as 2016, uh, Google actually has a stat that they released that 20% of all searches on Android using the Google app were actually voice. And so if you really think about that for a moment, like Siri was around, Google Assistant was around, but it wasn't super pervasive uh, within kind of the psyche of uh, searchers. But even at that point, 20% of people are actually searching with voice. Um, one of the stats that absolutely blows me away is this idea of 25% of Windows 10 desktop searches are actually happening with voice as well. So the fact that people learn that behavior on their mobile device, they see it enabled on their desktop or their laptop, and they're like, well, let's see what it can do. But 25% of people on Windows 10 searching with voice. Um, and then this final stat that actually came out two weeks ago, 40% of, of all adults now use voice search every single day. And when you start to think about that number, that's just absolutely astounding considering that five years ago, this wasn't even part of the consideration set. And so when we talk about voice search, really kind of, as I mentioned before, the industry benchmark is 2020 is gonna be go time. Next year is actually when they're predicting that 50% of all searches will happen with voice. So that could be on your smartphone, it could be with the smart speakers, could be on a whole host of different things, but the idea is people will be accessing web on the, or content on the web via voice. And so that has some implications for us when we start to talk about content, whether it be on our website or now in our voice skills. And really the, the big takeaway is keyword uh, focused strategies are no longer relevant. So when we ask for questions using natural language, we actually do a full phrase or we actually utter a full phrase. So like on the right hand side here, it wouldn't be that we're searching for shoes. It would be potentially that we're looking for red Nike men's running shoes and potentially even around me. So there's also a location based component to how long tail search works. And so 
the the big thing for you guys to know is only one third of all websites on the internet currently are optimized against these long tail phrases. Everything else is still focused on keywords. So there's a big opportunity with your web content to actually start optimizing for these phrases, which are going to be the questions that people are going to ask. And so whether it's voice or um, you know just how we're going to start to be, change our behavior for search, that's an opportunity just in the web to optimize your content. Now there's going to be further conversations and further implications when we talk about smart speakers, but that's something that if you haven't started optimizing your content, that's absolutely something you should be doing right now. So when we talk about how voice search works, especially on the Alexa platform, and obviously this is similar on Google, um, if we've, if any of us have worked in search, we all know that Google never comes out and tells us what the ranking factors are. So we can start to infer how things might work on the Google platform, but on the Amazon side, we know that if you ask a question and it's more of a basic question, so what's the time, the weather, sports score, some of the stuff that it already knows, it's going to look internally and see if it has the answer. If it does, awesome, gives you the answer and you're good to go. If it doesn't have the answer, it actually goes out to this next ring, which we're actually calling the voice web. And effectively what that is, is any of the skills that are in the Alexa store. And so if anyone there has the answer and it's deemed credible through a host of ranking factors and things that we can optimize against, they'll actually give the answer directly from that skill. So, you know, for instance, you ask for a health related question. If Alexa doesn't know, it'll look out to the voice web, see if the answer is there. If it doesn't have the answer, finally, it's going to go out to the web and then it's going to look for whatever it thinks is the most credible information. The challenge with smart speakers specifically is is no SERP page. So the idea that you get a page with 10 blue links on it just doesn't happen. And so in this world, what we have is one, an one answer um, that effectively rules them all. So what you wanna do is rather than focusing exclusively on optimizing your content on the web, you wanna start investing in voice and voice skills specifically. So um, that way you have the best chance of actually showing up when someone asks Alexa about your business, about your brand, about your product. So that's really the only way you can control how people will see the content. Otherwise, it's really up to what it deems is the most um, credible information out on the web. And this is also a way for you to own the industry or own the answers for your industry. So what I mean by that is, as you go through and build authority in your skill, as you start answering questions that the audience has, your skills may be more and more likely to show up in search. So right now there is there are um, examples of people having voice skills, but also websites and their website content is showing up. If I had to suspect, it's more about the ranking factors and the content and the skill hasn't quite gotten to a mm -hmm. point where it outranks the web. And so we don't have you know empirical evidence that but I think that's probably what's at play but over time as you invest in your voice skill and start to add more content and be relevant to your audience that's going to be surfaced more and more frequently so really what we need to do is think of the skill or action as the new website and so we want to go through and create content audio rich content that is answering the questions that your audience has and really keep all that information within your skill within your action so as people start asking that information surfaces or if they wanna go through and talk specifically to your brand, they're able to find your skill just like they can with your website right now and find that information that they're looking for. So as we put this all together, Voice offers a win-win because it allows us to give a good experience to customers when they want it. 
Uh, voice enables that availability of 24 seven when they call upon it. I mean, even if you use um, call centers, there's still hold time, there's still things like that. This is a direct way of being able to answer that question and get to it. Even if you go to a website, you have an intent of a task, you still have to sort out where do I navigate to? This is a very much more direct way of getting towards the answers or the needs that they're trying to accomplish. From a business perspective, it's a great experience because it allows them to deliver on customer expectations. And it also allows you to prove that you really are customer centric, not just in your mantras, but actually in how you're applying it. So it enables that 24 seven availability, but it's cost effective because you're able to just have that content out there, but you're not going to be compromised in quality because of the ways that you can execute uh, voice in this day and age, where is that more one-to-one -one feeling? Yep. So when we start talking about the consumer opportunity, I, I really, we're gonna focus on the retail opportunity. There's certainly implications for healthcare, for automotive, for a bunch of other areas, but right now, just for the sake of this presentation, uh, we have data specifically around retail. So as you can actually see, People are using these devices to look for product information. They're doing research on the uh, device. And I think what we've seen as, as people have gotten more comfortable, especially the early adopters, they're starting to go, all right, so what else can I do with this? What other information can I find? And they're starting to try to see, can I do product reviews? Can I do product searches, things like that? Um, so it's actually a really interesting area that'll continue to emerge over the next two to three years. Um, looking up store location, there's a, a lot of implications for location-based search, specifically within the retail environment. Um, placing one-time orders for either in-store pickup or obviously, you know, through Amazon to be able to order any products. So there's some things here uh, just to kind of get you guys thinking about how you might be able to leverage this and kind of where the consumer opportunity is right now. Um, within that, there's a lot of specific industries or specific categories where it's actually becoming a little bit more pervasive. So personal care, wellness, things like that, which makes total sense. You know, that's a, a big area of search on the web. So that behavior is starting to translate here into the voice space. Um, small appliances, being able to find, you know, sporting goods, things like that. So there's definitely opportunity for you if you're in any of these categories to start creating voice skills because your audience is already looking for information related to what you're doing. The other thing to note is voice commerce or VCOM as it's gonna be called is about to explode. So this report here uh, shows that by 2023, voice commerce will be an $80 billion opportunity. And uh, according to Davis Bitsky, who's one of the lead evangelists for Amazon, it'll be a $40 billion opportunity next year. Um, so when you're talking about like what this actually is going to mean, you can see that there's a lot of money that will be generated by these platforms and a lot of opportunity for you as a brand or a business owner to take advantage of that. So as we've just been talking through, there's a few different use cases that are out there. The important thing to note, and we will get into that a little bit further down the line, is um, use cases are not plug and play. They should be customized to your customer needs. But some ideas just to start to um, help you to think through ways you can apply is you can use a flash briefing with a tip of a day. And that can apply from everything from um, a, an e-commerce perspective, a product information, or even something in the healthcare field of um, disease education. Um, an answer hub that is in your own brand voice and tone. It isn't the Alexa voice, but you are able to record things that are within your brand persona. Um, virtual call centers from a customer support perspective, this enables you to actually be able to respond to simple requests pretty quickly. And there's also ways to then hand someone along when they have a more complex need. 
from a product and company information aspect, this is a wonderful way of being able to, as well as internal communication for employees. So instead of emails, are there ways that you can send uh, publicly, uh, public domain information to your employees where it's accessible in the, in the car? Um, this also is helpful if you say you have a, a realtor team and you need to do a daily briefing with remote employees. Um, virtual interviews with celebrities, authors, and musicians. You can leverage a lot of that content and turn a Q&A into a little bit more of that one-on-one -on -one conversation. But there's a heck of a lot more that's out there that is being uncovered. It's one of those things where the world is our oyster, um, but it is something that, you know, as you go through this and you look for what's right. Um, a, a use case isn't going to fix if your customer experience isn't perfect. Um, voice is not the silver bullet that will fix all your other issues, but it is a way that you can enhance that customer experience to be even that much more valuable and helpful to your target audiences. So um, one of the things that we have put together, and as I was just saying, is we do have a framework for creating your, your first voice skill. This isn't that um, different from a lean UX or a couple other ways that we can go for us. But what's really important to understand is that you need to do your discovery first. Um, it's very important to determine those needs and understand what problems you're going to be solving um, before you get into design and develop. It's a lot less expensive on, in concept phase of when you're going through your research to change than it is at design and develop. Um, and then when you're designing and developing, it's not just figuring out the critical path, it's figuring out the ways to make sure that that conversation continues to move your customer forward, that you're still moving them through their tasks and their, and their pieces, and that you're also being consistent with your overarching brand. Voice is not a silo, it is a channel, and your customer experience, especially in today's omnichannel world, they're not gonna necessarily be forgiving if your brand doesn't sound right in your voice application. And then ultimately there's analysis and iteration. Um, this is a living creature, so to speak, just like how your web content has always been. It's important to keep it fresh. It's also important to make sure that as you're looking through all of the performance that you're seeing, is someone asking for something out of bounds? Is someone asking for something in a different way that I didn't anticipate? How are they using my skill? And then adjusting accordingly so that again, you're moving towards that customer centric, but valuable effort of delivering on a task or an information need so that they're getting what they need so they can continue to engage with your brand or make a purchase. Yep. And really with all this, the idea is you want to start small and evolve your skill or action over time. So identify what their needs are, do one to three things really well, do some analysis and iteration and continue to evolve your skill. So that way you're not spending two years, a few million dollars and never getting anything to market. This is a way that you can actually get something to market relatively quickly so you can start getting that feedback from your audience. And really what you wanna do when you're considering um, creating your skill is look at audience needs and then what the business objectives are. So whatever you're trying to do as an organization and figure out where those things overlap. And that's gonna be the area where you can focus first to go through and provide value to both constituencies. So um, I think this is a, a really critical piece, especially the audience needs piece, because if we continue to be more product focused and more organization focused, we're not going to meet the audience's needs. We're not going to provide them with value and ultimately they're not going to use our skill. So another thing as we um, talk about skills, it's not that you go through and create it and then put it out in the stores and kind of wipe your hands and forget about it. You want to have a promotional plan. So you want to go through and leverage any channels that you already have to engage with your audience. So whether it's social, email, podcast, whatever the case might be, um, to let people know that this exists and what the value is to them. So 
you're going to have to let people know. And this is just like the early days of the web where we had to actually put websites on packaging and, you know, early days of mobile where there were apps, like we're going to have to do a lot of the things we used to do to alert people that these things exist. So as a marketer, how can you get started right now? There's really two uh, different ways that you can actually create content specifically for uh, Alexa, Google Home, et cetera. First one is the idea of a flash briefing. And as Susan said, that's really kind of a 60 second tip of the day. And so it could be whatever brand value you can provide um, you know, in 60 seconds. So Mayo Clinic has one where it's giving a health tip of the day. And there's plenty of other examples out there. We've got uh, Pragmatic Talk, we're actually giving digital marketing and voice tips of the day. And so that's really kind of a way to engage with your brand or with your audience um, in that first five minutes of the day when they're getting ready. So if you say, good morning, Alexa, it'll rock through your flash briefings, give you the weather and traffic. This is a way to get your brand kind of top of mind every single day and providing that valuable information. The other way to do it is actually to create a skill or an action, which is a great way to have that richer experience, be able to answer, you know, do the Q&A piece, go through and have deeper integrations with other platforms and databases and things like that. So really those are the two conceptual different things that you can do right now to get started in the voice space. So with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Brielle and she's gonna talk a little bit about the Witlingo platforms. And um, another poll out very quickly. Um, so where is your business with voice? And you should see that right now. Um, all right, so as Scott just mentioned, um, at Witlingo, we are, our goal is to make it really easy for individuals or companies to make this transition um, into voice. Um, we want it to be as simple as possible. And, um, and so we've launched two products so far, one being Castlingo, which aligns with um, the ability to produce ongoing content, um, like news updates that you can uh, use to continually communicate with your audience. Um, and then I'm going to dive a little deeper into Buildlingo, which is more of the custom experience that um, Scott mentioned as well. So of course, right now is the time to get out there because as uh, Scott and Susan were saying, the territory is largely unclaimed and the stakes are really high because, um, because voice is winner takes all. There's only one result that's given back. Um, and so we've created Buildlingo, which is uh, a CMS for voice first experiences. What we do for you is launch um, your conversational experience across platforms, Google Assistant, Alexa, and in the future, um, other voice assistants. So you're just creating it one time and providing it uh, via all the voice channels. Um, our platform allows you to upload or record MP3s from a mobile app, um, uh, upload into an online portal and you can publish those instantaneously. So uh, you'll be able to iterate constantly as you need to. And um, you'll also have access to an analytics portal, which you can use to see what people are actually asking about, um, what sorts of things that, they're, that they want via that channel. And then um, one feature I'll point out is uh, the ability to send notifications. So um, our portal allows you to type in a message and then any user that has a device and has opted into getting notifications from you 
will be able to hear that uh, message read off in Alexa's voice. So um, I'm gonna go through a couple of the Bolingo experiences we've already launched. Um, one being uh, my clinical study guide, which is a, um, intended for patients that um, are post-op patients that have questions maybe about their surgery or side effects or anything like that. Um, the doctor can actually, the doctor or um, a pharmaceutical company can update real-time info about their medi medication or um, the um, side effects or other questions that patients may have and um, get that info in real time from their voice system. Um, another one is, um, let's see, Dream Spinner Press. So they're a publishing house that is providing um, uh, daily deals to their customers uh, via the voice channel, um, along with just general information about how people can buy their books, um, access authors, etc. So, um, uh, we have a quick demo video that gives an overview of how people are using, how you use Buildlingo. Um, there are two parts to it. So you'll be able to download a mobile app and then actually record um, answers and information just from that app. It's basically you record it, you post it, and it um, gets deployed. And then and then your, your target audience will be able to ask questions um, that relate to those questions. And if, and if you haven't recorded something already that answers a question that someone may ask, you can see that in the portal and then be updating, as I mentioned. Um, and then the other part of Buildlingo is the online portal in case you want to um, just upload files into it, MP3s. Um, and then of course that portal will also give you the analytics that I've mentioned. So, um, I'm going to grab this video. When you deploy a Buildlingo voice experience, we build, publish, and host your Alexa skill in Google Action, and you are just creating and managing the content and then um, updating it as you receive the analytics. So I'm going to turn it back over to Scott and Susan for some takeaways. So we've gone through quite a bit in the past 45 minutes before we can get into the Q&A, but we just as a quick summary, want to go through some of the key points of today's content. So 2019 is the year to invest in voice, and the time to build a skill is now so that you can take advantage of moving into the emerging area and also take advantage of that beachfront property that is voice content. Because voice doesn't only just present an opportunity to enhance your customer experience, it's offering this one-time chance to start to claim voice SEO authority, which is something we haven't seen since the beginning of the web. And then in order to be valuable, you're going to have to be useful. So it's important to take the time to understand what your customers want and need to ensure that you're going to get a return on effort. While it's tempting to do something novelty and clever, it's not going to have the staying power. And the 80,000 voice skills that are out there with a small percentage having repeat use is proving that. And early data is showing that there are many, many, many relevant use cases, but it's not gonna be long before competitors start to understand and see those opportunities. So it's important to take advantage of that now. So as a special thank you, we'd like to do two things. So first, we're going to go through and uh, send everyone our voice stat book, which is actually a compilation of all the research that we've done 
for this presentation and for some of our other talks. So there's a lot of more charts, a lot more data in there. Um, as you can see, it's actually down in the, in the chat window right now. So feel free to go ahead and grab that. And uh, you know, hopefully there's information in there that's useful for you to build your own business case. Uh, all of the charts and everything are cited. So it actually shows you what source it came from. So you can actually find the original piece. Um, and as another thank you, we'd like to offer a free 30 minute consultation with us. We know we went through a lot of information and there's probably a lot of additional things that you have questions about, or if you wanna start bouncing ideas uh, in specific industries, uh, we'd like to go through and offer a 30 minute consultation for anyone that attended uh, so that you can start to get your thought or start to get thought uh, beginning the beginnings of your voice skill put together. So with that, uh, we'd like to open it up to any questions that the audience has. Um, there was the question about um, where your business is at with voice. Um, just gonna go through those quickly. So um, let's see, 28% have a voice skill in the market. 39% are actively planning their first voice skill. 28% um, weren't aware and not actively planning. And then 6%, which was one answer, was the first time hearing about voice. Um, so that's a pretty expected distribution. Um, I hope that for those of you that have one or are planning one, this, um, this webinar uh, is a good resource for you as you continue and that um, those of you thinking about it can also use this as you move forward. Um, so for questions, one question we got was, and Ahmed, Scott, Susan, um, you can, we can figure out who wants to take this, but um, one that I'd like to address is what if Google has an answer, but that direct answer isn't correct? Um, Google has lots of answers and responses available. Is there a credibility rating for the Google response that would allow it to search elsewhere if it were not 100% sure? Who would like to take that? Your sound. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was saying is that's a great question because um, when you when you type a question on the browser, right, um, they give you some something that you know is nonsense. You you know you go ahead and, and try to figure things out from the other searches, right? Uh, whereas in voice, um, it gives you one answer. Uh, and then in Google, uh, uh, you know, when you type it on the browser, it also gives you the answer box. Um, and usually, it does a great job doing that. Um, I'm saying all that because I don't know the answer to this. You know, if, uh, if, it, if it is wrong, um, uh, I don't know. I think we should try to stymie it. Up to this point, just uh, just for just to be fair to Google, up to this point, every question I've asked, I've gotten a good answer. So maybe maybe the algorithm is answering only uh, when it knows that it it has a good um, certainty. Uh, but uh, I think that's something I'm going to go and research. Thank you for, for the sure. question. I would also just want to add, I know that there's been a discussion about um, around me and locations. Um, and if you are getting an incorrect answer about your particular, say, business location or something along those lines, you do need to just go and update that just similarly as if it was on a web search. Um, so, And that's actually um, a very low percentage of businesses still are being um, have corrected that. So that's an important thing to check out from that perspective. And then to Ahmed's point, 
this content is still gaining steam and it is still gaining credibility. So it is like the long game of SEO. And that's also why it's important to start doing this now so that you do get the, when you are correct, you're getting the credit for it. So over time you will then begin to be able to um, basically outrank something that is incorrect. Cool. All right. So let's see, we have seven minutes, maybe a few more questions. Um, we had one from Edge, um, from at Edge, I guess. How are customers going to find you via voice, especially small local businesses like a restaurant? Um, and one thing I'd like to say about that quickly is that local businesses are actually going to have a major opportunity, especially with um, voice search, because um, in general, local search is a is a, 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 a huge portion of um, mobile or um, browser searches and and with voice, we're finding that people are really asking a lot about local, um, just local businesses, restaurants, et cetera. So, um, so it will be a really, really big opportunity. And of course, these devices um, are set to like a time, um, a zip code sometimes or a location. So um, that's another reason that it will be tied to local search. Um, Anyone else want to? Yeah, add? I think, you know, from a, a business, small business standpoint, you know, as I mentioned before, it's really using any channel that you currently have to reach out to your audience to let them know. So whether it's Facebook post, Instagram, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're a, a restaurant or a bar, you're probably using Instagram and Facebook predominantly, um, Twitter, whatever, whatever means you have at your disposal to let people know that your voice still exists. Um, I know there was a technique that we used to do in the early days of apps with iOS and Android, where we would actually create a landing page and drive, mm -hmm. paid, drive paid search to it so that people could actually see what the value of the skill or, I'm sorry, of the app was, and then ultimately drive them to the app stores to download it. So that's also something being that we're in such early days and discoverability is a huge challenge on the stores that I think you can implement relatively easily to get the word out so people know about your skill. Another um, aspect too, and this is something that is still again, because it's emerging, um, you know, I referenced the number of skills that are out there. Uh, right now, skill descriptions are probably another great opportunity of where you can become discoverable. Um, the bar isn't that high right now on the sophistication behind how people are thinking about how they write their skills, but there are opportunities to leverage keywords and pieces like that of also making sure that you're explaining um, everything from the name through your description of what value you're providing to also then become more discoverable and also for it as you're searching for it to be found because it's answering the needs of that customer. Okay, um, another really good question. Voice delivers one result now, but will that change in the future? And this one is from Jennifer. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer to it. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, there's going to be a paid component to these results. Um, obviously, Google is a massive ad network and makes a lot of money off of paid search ads and display ads. So I know they're currently working through how that works, mm -hmm. but there's also been some issues with disclosures of results being advertisements or promoted versus just native content. So we're still in the early days and we're going to have to figure out how that's all going to play out. But 
truly, if this plays out the way I think it's going to, the idea is they want to give you the most credible information that it can find and then have you move on with your day. So I, I do see it as kind of being that one singular answer that you may have to fall back on using your mobile device or desktop to find some additional stuff if you're not finding what you're looking for. But right now, you know, we're, we're counseling clients to expect this to be one answer that shows up, which is why you want to start investing in skills now, why you want to start investing in your long tail search and putting content that's relevant to your audiences, because that's going to be the best possible chance to actually show up. Yeah. And to add to that, um, if you just think about the, the use case of voice versus visuals, um, basically the nature of hearing audio is such that it's temporal. So it, you basically can't um, scan many things at once like you can do um, on a graphic interface. You, you hear it all in a stream and, and that's why the one answer is basically the way that it, it works right now. And that's um, what we pretty much think is the best practice um, because because you can't really hear a list of options and remember all of them. You can you can see a list of options and and think about them, compare them, check out other tabs or whatever. But but when it comes to voice, um, Google, Alexa, and these other voice platforms want to make it so that you get the quickest, most direct info, um, and that that is pretty much one answer at least right now. Skill and you're providing answers. That's you building an FAQ skill. In providing answers. Number one, um, if you know that the user will know whether the answer is correct or not, right? Um, give them the the option of saying, "Did that help?" And if they may say, if they say no, as Riel showed, um, at least with the way we're doing it, we have an invest, meaning we have a ranking of answers. So this is what what the what the skill thinks is the best answer, and there may be uh, a second answer. Um, that would be the right answer. So you say, did that answer your question? If they say no, and then you give them a second, uh, a second answer. Um, and I, I uh, and I think, and I, I think that's an example of where design comes in. Right? So if you know that your customers uh, will know whether an answer is correct or not, right? Then do an invest. If not, then um, try to confine the set of questions that people can ask to those that um, there is an answer to with certainty. And then when you don't know, say, I don't know, right? So the worst than, go, uh, than, mm -hmm. um, than not saying I don't know is giving the wrong answer and, and um, uh, misleading the user into thinking that it's the right answer. So that points to uh, researching, make sure that you research your domain, you research your customers, you research the knowledge that they, they have, the questions that they, come, uh, they cannot uh, come up with, and then uh, have a system like the way we do um, that knows with their uh, certainty with which it's giving an answer. Okay, and we are officially at one hour exactly. Um, so thank you so much, everyone who came. We can continue to answer a few questions, but I just want to let everyone know that we're um, we're at the hour mark, and um, we'll be sending out a follow up email with the recording. Um, with that voice stats book, and then um, the link to our next webinar. Um, and am I missing anything, guys, for that email? We'll have the deck in there too. Mm -hmm. So if you if people ask about the deck too. Um, all right, I think we can do a few more questions. So this one is from Gordon. Um, 
how do you implement SEO for your skill? Oh, that's such a great question. Yeah. Um, and the, the short answer is we don't know. So what we can do is look at on the Alexa side, um, look at how products are surfaced um, on product mm -hmm. search. And we can start to guess as to how those ranking factors could apply to our skills. And so right now it's going to be a bit of trial and error. I think you want to go through and look at search and do your long tail SEO research to understand what people are even asking for. So that's going to be kind of the, the most critical piece is doing that research, talking to people in your audience, understanding their questions and what they need and putting that information in your skills. So really the first thing. And then looking at how the Amazon product search works and looking for analogous ways to apply that to your skill. And really it's going to be a bit of trial and error. We know that content freshness is a ranking factor. We know that people using and repeat using your skill is also part of the ranking factor, but in true SEO slash search fashion, they've not given us the blueprint and said, this is exactly how you would want to do it. So I think just like web content and SEO, mm -hmm. it's going to be a bit of experimentation to figure out what that sweet spot is. I think it's also important to serve your users' needs. Just as we have seen with Google search, it's all about quality of content, not quantity. We all know, we all remember um, the days of when people would keyword stuff in their metadata and things like that and how now that's actually you get penalized for it. I think the important thing for right now is we sort out the rules of the road a little bit is to make sure we're providing quality content that we can use our SEO information that we have, like our bright edge tools and our Moz to show us what people are looking for. And then make sure that we're addressing those pieces and then addressing that keeping house on that side. I think descriptions are also a very important piece where we need to start looking at how we put the content within there. And then of course, then promotion to drive the traffic. Yeah, then the last, the last point that Susan made, traffic, right? So the uh, both Amazon and Google um, have hooks. So if you, you build your skill or reaction um, the, the right way, and that's what we do when we build, um, build them on our platform, uh, you're able to surface the content to both Amazon Alexa and the Google Assistant. And the two main factors there are, um, as, as, well, as both Scott and Susan said, is content. So it's, it's deep content, it's good content. Um, uh, it, it will it will arise and and the best indication of that are two, are two things the number of people who are using it and then the length of the interaction right if somebody's getting into the skill and leaving quickly then that's that's a flag that this is not a good content skill but if they're staying in the skill um, and interacting with it means there is content there so that's why it's crucial to not only do the ensure that your content is great but also drive traffic if, if the more the traffic, uh, the more traffic, the more, the better the content, the more it will bubble up. Um, so that when somebody asks a question um, of Alexa, that Alexa, the first domain cannot answer, uh, or, or believes that a better answer is, is within a skill, it will surface that skill. And imagine, imagine that your brand is the one that answers the question, right? I don't think there's enough money to, to buy that kind of an exposure. Um, how is Buildingo different than Blueprints? So we may have more or less answered that with the demo, um, but Ahmed, would you like to expand upon that or I can? As I was saying at the very beginning that um, the future is voice uh, and voice, not just in terms of interaction or conversation, but voice, voice, content, audio content. Right. Um, I think 
I think, uh, you know, these skills that have text to speech, I think they, I believe uh, they are suffering from the same kinds of uh, hanging on something that belonged to a different decade, right? Which is the text decade and, right? And, and you read stuff and uh, right here we're going into a new era, the era of voice, real era of audio. I think if somebody's going to build a great experience, that experience needs to be as much as possible um, uh, using audio and voice and be rich and leverage everything that voice gives you, everything that audio gives you. Um, so that's one. So uh, we, our, uh, our tool is focused on voice and managing voice and managing audio content, um, number one. Number two, uh, the tool itself is not focused on a use case, right, on one specific use case. Uh, you can do many things with the tool. You can, you can, <clears throat> you can do a Q&A and you can do outbound notifications and, and then we're adding other stuff like surveys all within one with one tool, whereas uh, I believe Blueprints gives you templates that you can use to build skills um, uh, uh, using uh, the, the web tool. Um, I think the best way to, to get a sense of, uh, of, the, of the differences is to try it out. Um, but those are the high level, uh, the main differences. Brielle, do you have anything? Um, yeah, I think, I think you covered it. Um, we, our goal is, is to make it so that you manage content you don't code anything you don't design anything it's not a tool it's it's an easy way to just produce and manage content and iterate immediately as you get new questions in or as your customers want other things on the conversational device so um yeah so that's how we um and of course alexa blueprints is on alexa not on it's not yeah, on all exactly. the channels too so yeah um okay and there was a very, very first question about how doesn't everyone own a device since all mobile phones have an assistant on their phone? Um, I think we pretty much addressed that. Um, yeah, isn't it something like um, Google Assistant is on 1 billion devices yeah. around the world? Yeah, it's uh, the numbers are pretty incredible. And I think it's important. The reason why we define that is because in some particular audiences, not everyone realizes that when we talk about voice, we're talking about your smartphone or that we're talking about your TV remote. And so I think it's important, we feel as um, we are educating and also sharing out there that we always make sure that we define when we talk about voice, what we are speaking towards. So that way everyone understands that. It's amazing how many folks I have spoken to at times who say, well, I don't have an Alexa, so I don't have a voice option. Yes, you do, you have your smartphone right in your hand. But yeah, to your point, absolutely. Um, and that's what was really great about this audience today is that we were really excited to see how many people are savvy and have great knowledge about voice already. Answer it, please um, email or um, do just find us any way you want. And there's like a million ways and we put all our contact info down there. So um, we'll send you the follow-up email. And um, we, since this is the first webinar of the new series, Voice First webinars, um, if you'd like to tune in to the next one, um, we'll be sending out more info about that and you can find us via that same um, website that you used to register for this one. Um, so thank you. Thank you again, everyone. Uh, this was great and hoping that uh, it was useful for you too. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.